You're listening to the Typical Trends Podcast, where we talk about all things mental health, body image, inclusivity, and making conversations around these topics more typical to have. Hello, guys. Oh my God, I miss you guys. I know it's just me by myself again. I have been so busy. We got a puppy. I got shit going on in the background. I got stuff going on every single day. I feel like I've been just like my head's just been in a bubble the last couple weeks. I have been all over the place, but I am starting to feel like I'm getting my shit back together. I am recuperating. I am getting back into it. I have a lot to catch you guys up on and I don't want to waste any more time. So let's get into it. For some fucking reason, the software that I use to record and edit decided to update and it's really fucking annoying me. So I just spent the first 20 minutes when I was trying to record to remove like it sounding like every word I was saying was echoing. So um, I think I fixed it now, but that just pissed me off. Um what the heck? What the heck's going on, guys? I feel like I have been, I guess, before Valentine's Day, I think. Well, Super Bowl was first. Before that was the puppy. Yeah, so I guess the week before all of that happened. So um, two Saturdays ago, me and Tim got a puppy. Uh, we have been looking for probably around two months Um, We really wanted to go the route of adopting and rescuing, but we had a lot of reservations about it because we do have two bunnies, so we wanted to make sure that we got a breed that had a low prey instinct. Um, We wanted to get a puppy to make sure that we can, you know, have a grow up being trained to live with the bunnies. Um, We needed one that was relatively hypoallergenic, and we kind of were stuck between what to do, um, and ultimately ended up going with the place that my family's dog is from. Um, it is a pet shop, uh, located in White House Station called Furylicious. Um, we had an amazing experience when my family got their dog from there, and the people there, the one woman that runs it, uh, was a vet, or still is a vet, um, very knowledgeable about, everything having to do with the dogs that are in there. They came, well, she came with all of her vaccinations up to date. She was microchipped, dewormed, um, all that kind of stuff. And we went uh, two Saturdays ago now. Uh, I don't even know what that date even was. What even day is it anymore? I don't even know. What is today? So it wasn't, it was not the 18th. It was the 11th. We went and... Wait, was it the 11th? Super Bowl was the 12th, yes. So it was the 11th. Um, We went, and the whole drive up there, we were talking and, you know, going back and forth about, you know, I'm okay with not leaving with her. I'm okay with just going to see her, blah, blah, blah. Five hours later, after spending the whole five hours with her, um, we ended up leaving with her, and she has been incredible. She's been incredible. I, um... I always kind of wanted my own puppy, and as we kind of continued to 
you know, develop our life together and kind of look at what we wanted and, um, you know, what, what we want to do as far as animals go, whatever. That was kind of our last piece that we were kind of missing. Um, and again, it's ultimately our decision. We're the ones who are going to be taking care of it in every sense. Um, and if it's a decision that, you know, Tim and I thought would be good for us and it's what we wanted, then, um, it's up to us. And we were prepared, prepared, I meant to say, um, prepared to take on the responsibility of having a puppy. Our little zoo is officially done until we start having actual human children. And, um, yeah, it's been, I, I just love her. I absolutely love her. She's a little nutcase. She throws little tantrums, which we're going to nip in the bud as soon as possible. <laughs> um, we are going through crate training her, which, you know, everybody that we said that to just kind of warned us about how difficult and horrible it's going to be. But in all honesty, she's been really good with it every night with her since we've gotten her has just gotten better and better. Um, it's expected with puppies that they're going to have accidents in the middle of the night. She's only 11 weeks, so her ability to hold having to go to the bathroom is not very long yet, but honestly, the first night was the first night really woke up to like a disaster of shit all over the cage. Um, since then it's really just been like a little bit here and there and nothing that really makes a mess. It's just like there. Um, we are training her to use the bathroom outside because we are on a first floor and we have a beautiful like yard and everything, uh, behind us. So we'd like to train her to go outside. We've been on a regimen of taking her out about every half an hour. Um, we get up in the middle of the night and we take her out and just put her right back in so that she basically doesn't get excited to wake up in the middle of the night and can just wait till we get up around seven or eight. And, um, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm really excited to take on the responsibility and I feel like it's something that would also be good for me selfishly because the bunnies are so low maintenance and yes, like we give them breakfast, we give them dinner, all that kind of stuff, but they get hay all day long and they really just need that. And they're pretty much, they're bonding right now. So they're kind of just caged up. Um, and they don't play like they don't like, they're not like dogs where they're very active in that sense. They're more like cats where when they want attention, they want it fully. And then when they don't, they really want to leave the fuck. They want you to leave them the fuck alone. So I was kind of looking forward to having the responsibility of having a puppy because I feel like it gives me more of a purpose on those days where I don't want to get out of bed. Um, and that whole giving, you know, giving me the, the responsibility to care for something more, um, consistently and efficiently. Um, I feel like getting me outside, um, she's definitely been helping a lot with that. Uh, I've been walking more, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's something that is ultimately going to be a really good thing for us. And, we're so in love with her. Um, she is teething, but again, that's what comes with all the puppy stages. Um, and yeah, she's just, uh, I like miss her when we leave. <laughs> like I'm like gone for a half hour and I'm like, I miss Darcy. Um, she's a mini Bernie doodle. Um, she's a second generation. So I believe that means she was bred with a poodle twice. Um, her mom was about 15 pounds and her dad was around 30 ish. So they said that she can end up anywhere between like 20, 25, which is perfect for us. And um, ultimately, the Bernie Doodles have a lower prey instinct. The you know whole hypoallergenic piece is a little bit better on them. Um, better temper. They don't need as much exercise as something like a Golden Doodle or a Sheep Doodle. Um, and yeah, she's just she's so beautiful. She really is. She's got these little eyebrows. She's got little socks. Um, she makes the funniest noises and we are so, so, so in love with her. 
So I know a lot of people are probably going to ask too, how is she doing with the bunnies? Um, I think the bunnies are actually getting closer because of her being there, which is like awesome. They've been really good overall. Honestly, we have them in two separate like created things that are basically attached to each other so that they constantly are around each other all day long. But at least there's that barrier so that when the big one feels like she wants to lunge and attack the little one, at least she's protected and less hair gets removed. Um, Darcy does not know how to play with bunnies. <laughs> um, she basically just they go up to her and she'll like sit there and like lick their head. And then she tries to get like all jumpy to play with them and starts barking at them and they kind of look at her like what the fuck is this (laughs) so you know i'm i'm looking forward to uh working on how to play with them with her um and yeah that's kind of the update on that front um my mom's store was absolutely nuts for valentine's day like line out the door the day before valentine's day i guess everybody does a last minute like i do but um we had the lines at the door multiple times the day before valentine's day um we did amazing it was so cool to see like that all of my social media and my marketing and stuff is paying off because the amount of people that came in and said i saw you on this page or this and it's just one of those things that like it gets really rewarding um i'm so proud of my mom she was pulling like all-nighters multiple days in a row and my whole family was there on valentine's day my dad took off of work and it was just me my mom my dad and my two siblings um you know we were working like clockwork or like a well-oiled machine (laughs) well-oiled machine and um it was a super super successful holiday for us even super bowl was pretty um good for us as well and um yeah it's just it was incredible to see it all kind of happen and Every time there's a line at the door, you kind of see my mom's face just changed with, you know, she wants to cry happy tears because she's so proud of it, um, like she should be. And it was uh, super awesome. I have been trying to go about getting a breast reduction. So we got to talk about that. <laughs> Um, I bring it up now because I officially have documented or gathered all the documentation that I need to gather, um, and it is in the works of being submitted to my insurance. So I went back and forth on if I was going to share this right now because I tend to get my hopes up and then things fall through for me. But I want to be transparent, and I'm hoping that with my mentality that I've been working on and the place that I'm at and everything, I'm hoping that me putting this out into the universe and sharing it um, on here is going to benefit me and is going to end up turning into something that I can follow up and say, guess what? I got approved and it's happening. Um, but it's been it's been a hell of a process. Um I have always struggled with my chest size since I started to grow boobs. um, They have always felt like they've been too big for me. They've caused more harm than anything for me and discomfort. Um, Even when I started to get boobs in the fifth grade, I would wear the same zip up to school every single day so I can pull it up high enough so it could kind of cover my cleavage or any you know, evidence of a chest growing and whatever, because it just, they always just felt like they didn't fit on me. 
I just felt very like disproportionate and it was very uncomfortable. And I went through the whole having to wear two bras and whatever. And it's just, it's always just been something that has caused me insecurity, discomfort, and just nothing good. Um, as I've gotten older, I have gone back and forth with, you know, trying to lose weight to help shrink them. I've done the friggin' chest exercises to help build the muscle and we'll maybe shrink this and do this and, you know, none of it worked. Um, it's one of my biggest insecurities when it comes to finding clothes. Uh, I'm tired of trying to figure out outfits and clothing based on my chest and dressing myself around my chest. Um, it causes me a lot of pain in my neck and my upper back. Uh, I do have scoliosis, so that doesn't help, but I literally get back from the gym and I can't wait to literally peel my sports bra off because the lines and the indentations it leaves on me, like start to actually hurt. So I got to the point where I started to do some research on it. Um, I had known, I've, I had known, um, I know a couple of people who have gone through the process. Um, I asked them questions. I asked them about doctors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I went to my parents and I kind of was like, listen, I'm at the point where I don't know what else to do. And I go to a chiropractor once a week mostly because of how bad my neck and my upper back pain is. And I've discussed it with him and he said that he can see the effect it is having on my body and my, you know, my, my posture and why I have pain here and all that kind of stuff. And has even told me that I have to stop wearing things that I'm wearing because they're too tight and this is why and whatever. But in order for me to feel supported, those are the things I have to wear. So after speaking with him and gathering more information, I went to my parents to talk about it. And, you know, my parents are very guarded as far as surgeries and that kind of stuff, because again, things can happen hundred percent understandable. Um, there was a big emphasis on the fact that, you know, I did gain weight. So what would happen if I lost weight? Um, could that be what would help? But I did a full body scan thing that I have at my gym. I did it a little over a year ago, and then I did it um, a couple months ago. I think I actually uh, posted about it at my... Oh, God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I actually posted about it on my story. And um, I was able to see that even with gaining about 20 pounds, my chest measurements change by like a quarter of an inch meaning even gaining weight my chest hadn't really changed in size or my breasts at least um I still wear the same bras that I've had um even when I was 115 pounds versus now 100 and almost 70 pounds it's that was prime eating disorder and I was so malnourished and had lost so much weight and was not at a healthy weight for my age and all that kind of stuff. Um, they were still the same size and they still gave me the same issues. So that was kind of the point that I was trying to get across of, I wouldn't be bringing up this topic of surgery unless I exhausted every other option. That's the point that I feel like I'm at. 
So, you know, I spoke with them and, you know, my parents are very, you know, you can do what you want to do. You just may not like what we have to say about it. And I can do what I want, but they just won't always be happy with it and all kind of stuff. And that stuff doesn't sit well with me. I don't feel comfortable just going and doing something and then telling them and just being like, oh, fuck it. I don't care if they're mad at me. Like, it doesn't sit well with me. So... I made it known to them that I want them to be involved in the process and I want them to understand where I'm coming from and that I do feel like I've exhausted every other option. I'm at the point where it's really causing me a lot of, you know, mentally it messes up with, it messes me up physically. Like just, I feel like it would really help me a lot in a lot of different areas if I was able to go through and get approved for breast reduction. So... They told me I needed at least six months of notes and a letter from a muscular skeletal, musculoskeletal, something like that, doctor, um, which for me would be my chiropractor, which I've been going to him for years and years and years and years, so not a problem there. Um, I also had gone to an acupuncturist for the pain for my upper back to my neck as well, so I got a letter and some notes from my acupuncturist. Um, I had never gone to my primary doctor primarily for the issues with my chest size and what it caused. I never thought I really could. I kind of had talked to it about, I'd talked to my like gynecologist and stuff about it, but nothing, I didn't realize that I could really go to them for that kind of stuff. So if you are listening to this and you are kind of thinking about going through the same thing, um, try and make sure that with your primary doctor that you are bringing up these issues as well. So when it comes time for you to get documentation from your primary, they have more to give you than just a note um, saying that they think that you should. Um, Because for me, I have Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield and they require at least six months documentation from the musculoskeletal. And then I need other documentation that has a letter and notes to accompany it. It can't just be a letter and it can't just be notes. So obviously if I haven't gone to my primary about it, there's not really a lot of notes I can gather. Um, Luckily, I I worked out for me as far as what I can get from them because I was given cream for the rashes that I would get underneath my breasts or between um, and the irritation and everything. So at least I was able to kind of have that help out. But had I not, I probably would not have been able to count that as one of my sources of documentation. So as of the other day, um, I did acquire all of the documentation that I needed. Um, I'm now just waiting to hear back from the uh, surgical office to know if I need to get anything else. And then they kind of put stuff together to me and send it off to my insurance. And then it should take around, uh, I think they said like two to three weeks to hear back. Um, I did go for a consultation at the surgical place that I'd like to get it done at. Um, It's actually called Spiro Plastic Surgery. It's in, uh, I think, West Orange, something like that. It's not too far from me. It's in New Jersey. Um, But I did go because, one, I wanted to make sure I even qualified based on the amount of breast tissue, all that kind of stuff. And then, obviously, to get a whole rundown on what the process would look like, what I needed to do, what I couldn't do. Um all that kind of stuff. So I went, um, the doctor was super, super nice. I will say it was very weird to stand in a gown and just have my tits out for a guy to just like move around and look at. (laughs) It was very very weird. Um, but (laughs) things had to be done. So, um, yeah, I, I stood in a robe with the front open and, um, 
the doctor sat in front of me and basically just, uh, I really should have made this into a video. <laughs> um, but basically, you know, just measured me from my, um, you know, from side to side, up and down, across, areola, nipple, this and that, um, did all the measurements and then basically put me in front of a mirror and walked me through what he saw and why he thinks I would be approved and why it would be beneficial for me. Um, I do have permanent indentations on my shoulders from the things that I wear. Um, I have a bulge in the back of my neck, which happens from the things that you wear as well as just the pressure and the posture that happens because of it. Um, I have a tattoo actually between my boobs and he showed me that my center is different when I'm standing up versus laying down because of the way that the weight is distributed. So I was laying down when I got my tattoo done and he showed me that my tattoo is not in the center of my body, <laughs> that my belly button is off to the left or my left and the tattoo is off to my right a little bit, which technically your belly button would be the center of your body. So that was great. Um, he told me that my left breast is a triple D and my right breast is a double D. And that you can noticeably see as I was standing in front of the mirror and he was pointing these things out that my right shoulder is decently higher than my left shoulder. Um, so it makes sense as to why, since my left breast is bigger. Um, and he told me that the tissue that I have is granular, meaning it is not based off of how much fat um, I have, meaning me losing or gaining weight wasn't going to make a difference. He said that fatty breast tissue is, you know, softer to the touch and more fluffy feeling and light. Um, granular is a little bit harder and mine are definitely a little bit harder um, and heavier. So after all of those conversations, he kind of told me as far as my insurance, Blue Cross Blue Shield requires um, at least 460 grams or milligrams. I don't remember what it was to be removed, which for me, that would get me to like a a larger size of a B, almost a C. Um, I don't have a preference on what size I end up. Um, I, I've had people that, you know, my friends and stuff that I've mentioned that I'm going through all this, um, have brought up, you know, are you going to have a hard time with going from having such large breasts to then if you barely have any and whatever, but I don't see a bigger B almost a C as like not having any. Um, and honestly, I'm not really concerned about that. Um, again, I know it's hard to say it before I actually have it happen. Oh God, I can't stop. Um, but I'm not really concerned about it. Um, we went through pictures of people that started out at my size and went to the size I would end up as. Um, it's still a decent size. It's a decent cup size. It's a decent amount of cleavage. I will still feel like I have um, a chest that has cleavage and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm really, I'm not concerned about it. The surgery itself is basically going to be a circle around my areola, which I know I'm using such professional terms, but your nipple is the part in the middle of your areola and your areola is the rounding part. It's not all your nipple. Um, and it would basically be a circle around that down the front, like a lollipop looking thing. And then underneath my breast. So underneath my breast, I have a fold and I have permanent, um, pigment, 
missing pigmentation, whatever the right term is for it. But basically because of how large my breasts are and the fold underneath, I have like pigmentation issues underneath. So that's where the scar would be. So you really don't even see it. Um, and then the scar that would be around my areola, it would end up being basically the same color anyway. So you still wouldn't really see it. Um, and because my breasts overall were, are going to be made smaller then my areola would be made smaller as well. So, <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you guys knew when you got into this episode today, this, this is what we would be talking about. Um, but you know, I tend to do TMI. So if you don't want to hear any more, turn it off now, but I, that's basically the end of it anyway. So if you survive this long, then, then you made it, you made it. Besides that, I have been getting back to and starting um, some doctor's visits that I have not been putting off, but uh, putting off. Let's go with putting off. It sounds like I'm like doing something for myself. Um, I go to an allergist. Um, I did allergy testing. I did the whole shebang. Um, and I'm at the point now where I'm starting up allergy shots again. Um, I, those of you that don't know, um, I am allergic to the way the wind blows. Um, I am a medical anomaly as far as when it comes to allergists. My old allergist used to say that to me all the time because typically when people do allergy shots and they start doing the allergy testing kind of stuff, um, you would typically react when you start a new bottle for your, your, um, shots. Like if you go up a dose, you typically would react that first dose after increasing. Um, I would have nothing happen until the end of that bottle, which makes no sense. Um, cause at that point you would think your body would get used to it. But for me, it was the opposite. Um, I now started up with a new allergist and I'm doing the allergy testing. Uh, I had my first shot last Monday. Yeah. Day before Valentine's day. Um, and it's my first shot. Um, I was told you most likely will not react to this because it's such a low dose and blah, blah, blah. 20 minutes into my waiting, my 30 minutes after period, um, I started having trouble taking a deep breath in. Um, my eyes felt like they were starting to swell. I was getting very itchy. And before you knew it, they were injecting me with some allergy medication. I was put on a nebulizer. I was being handed prednisone. Um, and I felt like I was hit by a truck. <laughs> so, um, I have to go back for the next one, unfortunately. Um, but you know, I, I wasn't surprised, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was not surprised. And, um, this is kind of the path that I have to go in order to get myself feeling better, building up my tolerance to the things that I react to because I have such, um, environmental allergies that I can never fully avoid. It's best to do this to build up my tolerance to it. So when I did allergy shots, when I was younger, they did benefit me a lot. I think I attribute that to why I was able to grow out of my peanut allergy and my soy allergy. So, um, I, I want to give it an honest try and a fair shot. So get it. I fucking hate myself. Um, and yeah, I'm just gonna, yeah, that's it for that. So, um, I also started going to an ENT because my allergist, the same one I'm doing the shots with, um, actually had me go for a 
I think it's a CAT scan. I got it done on my sinuses. A CAT scan on my sinuses. I don't know if that's right. Fact check me. But uh, I don't think it's an MRI. I think it's a CAT scan. But um, I got a scan of my sinuses to see if there was something that was causing chronic infection. Um, Turns out that I had broken my nose, which I never knew that I did. And I have a deviated septum with a spur. Because honestly, why the fuck not? You know? I, um, I'm pretty sure I may have broken my nose when I was in RBT for kids with autism. I had this one little boy, um, like a baby. He was maybe two or three, maybe. Um, and he was throwing a tantrum and kicked me in the nose. And I'm assuming that's what did it because I don't know what else I would have done that I would have broke my nose and not realized it. But even that wasn't that bad. I didn't ice it. I didn't anything. So, um, I don't, I don't know. The scans, you're not able to tell, like, when it happened. Um, All they were able to see was that it didn't heal correctly, of course, because why would it? Um, And that now I have a deviated septum with a spur, meaning that it goes into, like, the direction of, like, a left, and it kind of has, like, an S to it. So, basically, prolonging the inevitable is that I would have to get a rhinoplasty to get it fixed, if that's the correct term. I don't even know. But uh, I don't want to say nose job because um, it's not like cosmetic. It's more so for breathing purposes. And the fact that my left nostril is always clogged. Um, I have sleep apnea, which is great and is probably attributed to that as well. Um, so with the ENT, I've been going for different types of testing. Um, I did a hearing test just to kind of clear out anything in there, which I have very good hearing apparently. Um So all you fucking whispering ass bitches better watch the fuck out. I'm kidding. Um, But did the hearing test. That came out pretty good. And then I'm being sent for a... um, Actually, I have to keep it right here because I don't know how to say it. Um, A barium swallow test procedure to evaluate for reflux and other esophageal pathology. So they're doing that because of my history with bulimia, um, they want to make sure I didn't do any damage to my esophagus because I do have heartburn and reflux a lot. And they said that that could be attributed to that. So, um, that's that piece. And I have to pick up a sleep test to do that, to test for the sleep apnea and then see if I was going to get one of those machines that help me sleep, which I most likely am not going to use, but... I didn't know how to say no to the testing, so, (laughs) um, and yeah, that's it. So somehow I'm still standing. (laughs) Fuck my life. So the last piece I want to talk about is what I've had to change while getting prepared for the hopes of getting approved for the surgery. Um, those of you who don't know, um, I do smoke. I do use it for sleep. Um, It's something that I cannot do during the day because I literally will fall asleep, but it does help me sleep better um, and not wake up so much during the night. So being that I'm getting prepared for the surgery and everything, there's been things that I have to stop using or once I get approved, stop using and all that kind of stuff. So... um, THC and nicotine are two things that they say I needed to be off of 
six weeks before and then not use six weeks after. I don't use nicotine. Um, I do use THC uh, as well as CBD. Um, so that has been honestly surprisingly easy. Um, I don't want to go into the whole concept of drugs and all that kind of stuff because I don't feel like I'm equipped to really speak about it. Um, but I will say as somebody who pretty much would smoke almost every night in order to sleep well, all of a sudden just stopping, I wasn't sure how it was going to be for me, but I have been a hundred percent fine. Um, I can't really say that I'm, I definitely am not sleeping as well or I guess falling asleep as easily. I guess I'll put it that way. But I, I feel like there's always that line with people who use, um, marijuana and the whole that you get addicted to it and the whole that it's still addictive. It's a gateway drug. It's this and this. Um, my professor for my clinical master's program is an addictions counselor. And I will tell you that marijuana is not a gateway drug. Any drug is a gateway drug. Um, so I'm just going to debunk that real quick. And the fact that people think that you can be addicted to marijuana, the substance itself, you cannot be addicted to, but the feeling and what you get from it is what you can be addicted to. So I thought I was going to be more bothered by just stopping cold turkey. Yeah, I like I miss it every once in a while just because I like the way that it made me feel. And obviously it did help me fall asleep, but I've been 100% fine without it. Um, doesn't mean I'm not going to use it again when I can. <laughs> I'm not making this like uh, try to get off your try to stop smoking weed and you'll never have to use again. Like I'm not preaching that. I'm just sharing. Um in addition to getting off of that, um, I also stopped my birth control. I have been on birth control. Oh, God, I'm 24. Um, I don't even know when I started at 16, 15, 14, something like that. Um, I've been on it for most of my life. I'll put it that way. Um, and they recommended that. I'd be off of my birth control for four weeks beforehand and afterwards, as well as my antidepressants. And like any supplements, I use psilocybin because I'm trying to work with psilocybin to replace my antidepressants. Um, I'll talk about that another day. Um, I take, you know, supplement like natural supplements and stuff, but there's, you know, anything that you can avoid not taking, anything you can avoid taking, you should really try to get off of basically because this one has a bleeding risk. This one can cause clots. This one can cause this. So, um, my doctor told me that it's recommended and that's the way I'm going about it. Um, I will not be going off of my antidepressants because when I went on vacation, um, back in August, I, actually was unable to fill my prescription time and was going through withdrawals and it was a horrible experience. Um, I'm now on the lowest dosage possible, really. You kind of start at 10 milligrams and I'm on five. So I told my doctor that it's not something I'm really willing to get off of at this time. I don't want to go through that again. And um, if I'm going off everything else, then um, I should be fine to still be taking my low dose of my antidepressants. But... um, I think I may have to just dedicate an episode to this whole process too, but I'll just let it be known now that I am off my birth control and I am 
trying to decide depending on how it goes with being off of my birth control if it's something that I want to stay off of permanently um so far I have had not many uh side effects it doesn't really seem like um I have not gotten my period again since I stopped taking my pills um my doctor told me that I could just not take my next pack because at the time I had my period so she said just don't start your next pack um but there's a lot of uh, missing information as far as this whole process. And I do feel like I've been left in the dark a little bit. Um, I was not prepared for it. I didn't know you had to be prepared. And because of the help of, you know, some friends and uh, people that actually specialize in um, things like the fertility awareness method and, you know, not using birth control um, pills and that kind of stuff and learning just about your body enough to track your periods that way and... Um, if you don't want to get pregnant versus if you do want to get pregnant, I'm not going off because I want to get pregnant. I promise you the fuck that is not the, that is not the circumstance. Um, it's probably because of the surgery and then because I'm trying to wean off of all the prescriptions that I take, um, that I like to consider staying off depending on how it goes. So, um, again, I share all of this because I know it's not just me who's dealing with this. And I want anybody listening to know that um, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. Uh, if you have any advice, I'd love to hear it. If you need advice, I'd love to give it. Um, and overall, just to preface the fact that regardless of how busy life gets, you always have to take care of yourself because you can't help yourself and you can't help others unless you are taking care of yourself. And that means more than just making sure to sleep good and get your water. It means if you need answers for things medically, going to get them. It's doing the research. It's you know, making the changes that will help you long-term. And a lot of us don't know about a lot of parts of our body and what happens in our body. And getting to understanding it better is only going to help you. And it's going to benefit your mental health, your physical, your health, your emotional health, everything, your well-being overall. So um, I hope that this episode was helpful to those of you who can relate to it. Um, again, if you ever want to chat about anything that I spoke about, or if you have any advice, um, if you went through the whole breast reduction surgery thing and you want to talk to me about it, I love to hear it. Um, and please keep good vibes in your head. If you pray, pray for me, um, that I get approved for this because I, I'm really like, really looking forward to the outcome of it, if it does happen. So, as always, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> I'm joking. And on that note, um, I'll see you guys in the next one. <laughs>